Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Very welcome to the programme uh, this morning on this Tuesday morning, the 3rd of November. Big, big day uh, in the United States of America. Of course, uh, today, our John Paul taking your calls along with Sadie. Sadie's back with us today, 1850 If there's anything you want to share with us across the day, you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and you can always email the programme as well, Patricia at c103.ie and listening to the news there with Barry, the spread of COVID-19, it's remaining stubbornly high in Dublin, despite there being a big drop in other counties. And the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Hulham, was warning about this uh, yesterday. There was 321 new cases reported in Dublin yesterday and their seven-day average is higher than what it is for other parts of the country where it is falling and one of the counties where it's falling is our good selves here in Cork. So Tony Houlihan was signalling yesterday ongoing concern also about the number of infections in the people over the age of 65 and he also indicated that it's highly unlikely that there'll be any easing of the lockdown measures before early December because remember when we went into this level 5 lockdown we went into it for six weeks we're nearly two weeks into it let's look at the positive side well midnight tomorrow night we'll be two weeks into it but there it had been said at the time that after four weeks of the six weeks the powers that be would take a look at it and they might ease some of the restrictions and that kind of gave everyone a little bit of hope but I don't know listening to Tony Houlihan and what he was intimating yesterday I'm thinking no I'm thinking we are going to have to go certainly right to the six weeks before if we're to see any kind of easing of it and I think Dublin is going to be a bit of the problem with it and bearing in mind that Dublin was at level three far earlier than the rest of the country so you would be assuming that the numbers in Dublin should be falling faster in Dublin than they would be falling for the rest of the country but unfortunately that is not happening. Yesterday there were 767 new cases in total as I say of which 321 of them were from uh, Dublin and looking at the numbers for Cork, there was 84 reported in Cork. And then they were looking you know, at a lot of these press briefings. They gave additional information. There was 103 COVID-related deaths of the virus across the month of October. But when you compare that to the previous month in September, there was 36 deaths. So it went from 36 to 103 from September to October. Dr Houlihan said, despite the overall improvement in the national picture, we're still a long way to 
go and the overall daily toll of new cases he says it's still too high while it's dropping it is still too high he's also fearful that people will drop the high standard of adherence to public health restrictions as figures improve he says we have to keep on going if we want to get the case numbers we want in early December and if they get the case numbers down in early December then they'll be able to ease restrictions and then there's the possibility that we'll all be able to have some kind of a normal or as normal at Christmas as we've had in previous years. I don't think the Christmas is going to be anything like it was on previous years but try to have some kind of normality and at least I think if nothing else if we can push that we would families would be able to travel to different parts of the country to be with other family members. I think that would be fantastic if we could ease restrictions so that we would be doing we would be doing that. I mean certainly nobody would at Christmas would want to be with the five kilometre where you couldn't travel outside five kilometres and I think nobody would even want to be stuck with you can't travel outside of your county because that would limit people travelling to other parts other different counties to go home to be with family members and then we always keep an eye on the numbers in hospital 322 patients in hospital with COVID-19 the intensive care numbers are also still high they are at uh, 44 now Tony Houlihan was also asked about international travel being relaxed in time for Christmas because many of us have family members living outside of Ireland and many family members come home for Christmas and we always here in this programme talk about those wonderful scenes at Cork Airport and it's just such a joyous place to be in the lead up to Christmas welcoming home loved ones it's a pretty miserable place to be in January or when the tears of having to go back but we we live for those moments when you're welcoming loved ones home at the airport and at the ports and there's a lot of families are still hoping that their loved ones will be able to return uh, home Tony Houlihan is saying still too early it's something that they will be looking at but they won't be looking at it until the coming weeks he says if progress is made and the risk of picking up the virus in this country is reduced then in relative terms the risk of international travel as a source of infection increases and that's the big problem I'll take a look a little bit later on on the programme on the figures across Europe I mean we're in level 3 or level 5 and we're finding it tough to be in level 5 so many other countries now are following what we're doing in this country and they're moving to similar lockdowns. So it's a pretty bleak picture when it comes to COVID-19 across Europe. There was a bit of good news for schools. We touched on schools yesterday on the programme, uh, particularly with regard to some parents nervous about sending their children back to school after the midterms. Some teachers were nervous about it. And one of the complaints, certainly from the teacher's point of view, is when there's an outbreak in a school and trying to get test results back as quickly as possible, because sometimes you can have a child come in who will be sneezing, runny nose, a cough. And of course, now everybody straight away everybody thinks of COVID and you have to go for a COVID test and so many people are going forward for COVID tests and it turns out that they don't have, you know, the vast majority who go forward for a COVID-19 test don't have it. I think our positivity rate is at about 5% at the moment. So it's 95% of people who have a COVID test don't have it. But of course, because of that, they have to self-isolate. Their close contacts have to self-isolate. Their family members have to self-isolate. And it's causing huge problems certainly within schools for teachers it's caused 
causing worry and concern to other pupils inside in the classroom. So I was delighted to see that the HSE came out yesterday and said that testing and tracing in schools um, where there is a case is going to be speeded up. Some schools will be what they're doing. They will red flag when samples are taken from children or staff and when they're sent to the lab for processing and they'll have this red flag on it which means these are priority testing. These need to be done ASAP and that obviously will will shorten the turnaround time for results and that certainly I think is a bit of good news for schools and will alleviate I think fears for both parents who get concerned when they hear there has been an outbreak in their school and double concern when they hear there's been an outbreak in particular class and everybody heaves a sigh of relief when the result come back, comes back and it turns out that it was a negative uh, COVID uh, test. 1850 One of the issues we're going to be addressing on the programme today is we're going to be talking about dance schools. We'll be speaking with the local ballet school just because they're putting a call out. I know the Ballet School Association of Ireland put out a call and they feel that dance schools should be allowed to reopen, certainly when we're under level three and level four four restrictions and they're putting forward the reasons why they feel dance schools, they're they're a safe place for children and young adults to go and to have their dance classes but also looking at the mental aspect of it. I mean I know there's always a big push for sporting organisations to reopen and we we know that there are some sports uh, still going ahead and people talk about the mental health aspect for sport, for people taking part in sport and for people watching sport. But then there's the cohort of people who are not interested in sport at all, either don't play it or have no interest in watching it. And when they have a different hobby, their hobby is as important to them as it is to somebody who has a great love for sport. So I can see the arguments that people put forward as to why their chosen hobby, whatever it is, their chosen activity, why they should be allowed to go ahead when the various restrictions are in place. So we will be talking about dance schools uh, today. But we had a call in yesterday from Dave, one of our listeners, who was speaking about his wife. He is caring for his wife who has dementia. And Dave said she literally doesn't know what day of the week it is. Her dementia is is that bad. And the only outlet his wife has is going to the golf club and playing a round of golf. But obviously golf, when level five happened, there was a call to try to allow golf courses clubs, golf courses to remain open but the answer came back, no golf clubs had to close under at level 5 and Dave was just speaking to us yesterday about his wife and explaining to us, look this is her only outlet and he said to live with a woman who is asking the same questions all day, he says is really really tough and I'm assuming she is constantly going on about when are we going to the golf club? What time are we going golfing? When are we going golfing? And of course, living with dementia, she has, Dave has no way of getting through to her what is COVID-19, what is coronavirus, what is level five restrictions and trying to explain to this poor woman that she can't go to her one outlet where she seems to get some kind of relief and I think for Dave as her carer also gets huge respite by having his wife go play the round of golf. She obviously enjoys it. I'm assuming Dave probably enjoys the round of golf as well and it probably relaxes her and then will tire her out so she might sleep better that evening and then I don't know how many days a week Dave was actually taking her golfing but just what a dreadful situation for Dave to find himself in and I know a number of people 
people who have golfed and golfing would have gone during the first lockdown and then it reopened and people said surely of all of the sports when you're out golfing you social distancing is not an issue at all you know I mean you can keep well apart from somebody you could have a husband and wife who are in a social bubble anyway so they can golf and be on top of each other and it's not going to make a difference and it certainly wouldn't make a difference uh, to Dave and his wife so that's was quite an upsetting call to get from Dave yesterday and I can see why Dave would certainly advocate as to why golf clubs should remain open. Also, just staying with yesterday's programme, somebody had contacted us saying about the halls. Had anybody noticed that there isn't an abundance of halls this year and the ones that are there, they're not the vibrant red colour they normally are. And so, you know, somebody sent it in saying, has anybody got an explanation? And I remember Jerry Bandon was a farmer who contacted us to say that the reason for the halls and other berries been missing was the two very bad storms we had in August and it would have swept a lot of the berries from the actual bushes and the trees and he says that's one explanation why there isn't as many haws this season and then I got a lovely photograph in from Claire to say while there mightn't be many haws this year just look at the berries on my holly and there's a gorgeous picture of Claire holding this bunch of holly with it is covered in red berries. It really is fantastic. If you had that at Christmas, goodness me. And I don't know if Claire has cut the holly in the hope of trying to keep it fresh because that comes up nearly every year. It comes up on our gardening social teacher doubt. It'll people saying that there's holly with berries on it in the garden and they want to try and keep it for Christmas. And I know a couple of weeks ago, we had that very same question into Peter and we had somebody who was a photographer saying that because there's so many red berries on holly bushes at the moment, it's a good time if you want to get out and take some photographs that you could then maybe use as Christmas cards or use use at Christmas. That now was a good time to actually take them. But, but certainly the berries on the holly, there seems to be a lot of red berries on holly at the moment. And also yesterday we were contacted by a Patrick from Fomoy. Thank you for this. Uh, Patrick asking us to look into something and if we could get on to the council in for more. It says, Patricia, I'm wondering if you could mention on your show, please, for parents who are taking their children to the playground in Formoy Park. There is a wasp, a nest of wasps in a hole in the ground. It's in the grassy area just above the council storage shed, but it's right next to the kids' playground. Our dog put his foot into the hole and we all had to scatter. We warned parents who were at the playground to tell their children to keep away from it. Uh, maybe you could notify Formoy County Council before some poor child gets badly stung by the wasps who are circling around the nest. Kind regards. And that came in from Patrick in Formoy. So when we received that yesterday in the programme, we did get on to Formoy Council to say they thanked us for notifying them about it and they're going to look into it. So hopefully they will be able to get rid of that wasp of that nest of wasps. But just to put the warning out, because there is some sunny spells today and it might be a bit brighter this afternoon and you could have parents deciding to take their children down to the park, uh, the playground at Formoy Park. Please be careful. A nest of wasps in the grassy area 
just above the council storage shed. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0832. 103 103. When we're talking about level five restrictions and what's opened and not opened, and uh, people trying to push and advocate for a particular activity or a hobby that they like, like we were talking about golf, uh, for example, saying why. And I know people who regularly go to gyms feel they're really being hard done by and why they're not allowed. Gyms are not allowed to open. Tom says the people should be allowed to go to Mass. I'm going to Mass for 60 years, says Tom, and I'm not allowed to go at the moment. And that is still a huge issue for so many people and I know before I took my break last week I was talking about all of the archbishops from around the country were all getting together. They were trying to lobby the government they were hoping to have a meeting weren't they with Micheál Martin. I wonder how that went to push for churches. I know churches are allowed to open for private prayer but so many parishes were saying and so many priests and bishops were saying that when churches were allowed to open for Mass they were doing so well with the stewarding and people were you know told to sit at a particular seat the the two metre rule was in place and you know the churches really and it was down to the local volunteers in the community and in the in the diocese who, and the, in the parishes who got together and helped out all of the local priests. Then they did really well, and we couldn't find any case that was linked directly to somebody going to mass on Sunday where you could point the finger and say, "Well, because of that, somebody went to mass with COVID nineteen, and everyone inside in the church uh, got it." So I know people felt very hard done by and are still feeling hard done by that they can't go to a Mass on Sunday. So Tom, you're certainly not on your own on that. And John is worried about the numbers in Dublin. He said on the news last night they were talking about no drop in the numbers in Dublin of COVID-19 positive cases. They were in level three and have been since the 19th of September. Dr Tony Houlihan did mention Dublin but there is, but then they went over to George Lee and he played down the Dublin numbers and then very little was said after that about numbers continuing to remain stubbornly high in Dublin. The rest of the country appears to be doing really well but Dublin is letting us all down because when they look at reopening the country in early December at the end of the six weeks uh, if the numbers in Dublin remain the same according to John and Clonakilty the worry is that we won't come out of level five at the start of December or if we do come out of Level five, it might be level three, which will mean, for, you know, the restrictions will still be in place. I think ideally people want us to be back to where we were in level two, where there's still restrictions, but there's some kind of a normality. normality. But John is right. Dr. Tony Houlihan specifically did talk about uh, Dublin uh, yesterday. Now, he did say one of the reasons why the cases remain stubbornly high in Dublin. You know, he said it's like in other jurisdictions in other countries, Dublin is a large city and they've a concentrated population. So they're they're the type of settings that it's always hard to get the figures to drop. But he did also mention that they were in level three far earlier than the rest of the country. But the virus is not slowing at the rate that they would have hoped or expected for in the capital. They are hoping there'll be some kind of an improvement this week because it is only going to be this week from probably tomorrow onwards will be 14 days tomorrow won't we will be 14 days into level 5 and they tell us between 10 and 14 days before you see the full impact of any restrictions so from tomorrow we really should be starting to see 
the effects of level five and hopefully that will also be reflected in the numbers in Dublin. Now the Irish Ballet Teachers Association are urging the government to reconsider regulations to allow them to open for students and to allow classes to go ahead. Lucy French of the Lucy French School of Dance in Kinsale joins me to share her views. Good morning to you Lucy. Good morning, thanks uh, for having me. You are, you're very welcome. Now you would have closed your dance school in March during the first lockdown. When were you allowed to reopen and how did that go for you? Okay, so we reopened in June, um, the 29th of June and we actually did just a three week term and filmed a virtual show uh, because we were due to put on our show in April and obviously that was cancelled. So we didn't want to just let it go for the year. So we did a three-week term in June and put on a virtual show, which then we put on online for the parents to see. Well done, well done. And were classes very different when you reopened on June 29th? Oh yeah, we had to bring them back in very small groups. Um, it was a manic timetable of all day, every day to fit everybody in. But that was the only way we could film them in their small groups and then put them all together on the screen. But it worked and was working. It did, yeah. And then level five and a complete closure again. Did that come as a shock or were you expecting it? We always knew it it was inevitably maybe going to happen, but we were really hoping it wasn't going to. Um, I was obviously open in September, almost as normal, but with strict safety procedures in place. So we had five minutes between every class to clean everything, which in that in dance really, especially ballet, they don't really touch that much. Obviously, we use a very minimum use of the bar. So if that was used, it was disinfected. We had a one-way entry system and exit into the studio. We didn't allow any parents in. We took their temperatures on the way in. They were sanitizing on the way in and the way out, and they were in pods. And we actually put the pods so that they were the same as their school groups. So they were only mixing with their school friends. Um, so really, we were being very, very safe. We were also at least a metre, if not two metres apart, and the teachers stayed well back from any of the students. Did you have any cases of COVID? Absolutely not. And there has not been one case in any ballet school in Ireland since September well, or, since, or this year. Have you been able to move dance classes online? We have, yeah. And we did that um in, in the first lockdown as well, but it's really not a very viable option for dance. I mean, I'm heading into a day of Zooming later on this evening. We'll be Zooming for the whole of Level 5, but obviously students do not have very much space at home. The floor is generally not suitable. There's, you know, the dog, the brother, you know, everything <laughs> going on. Yeah. Um, and for, for my students who are, you know, they take it very seriously and they love what they do and they're very passionate about what they do. Um, and it's fine while we're in level five and we understand it while we're in level five completely. We need to keep the country safe. But in level three and four, it really, you know, we really are safe enough to be open. And especially with the disparity going on with sport, you know. And are you are you not allowed to open under three and four? At the moment, they're, they're saying no and not even for a one to one lesson. And you believe, Lucy, that this is more than just teaching children how to, how to dance. You're actually worried about children's mental health. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know I know what my students take from dance. And, you know, I have them from the age of three, generally, all the way up to 18. We're a huge part of their life. Um, and taking away something that they love so much and a way of expressing themselves, uh, you know, is really something that's going to damage them. And it's not, you know, I ask letters from parents and students and I got an influx of letters from the students themselves saying you know in the first lockdown I did not feel okay I was not myself wow 
you know, um, it's it's a lot more than just dance for them. Yeah, and we are constantly hearing how difficult this you know whole pandemic has been on yes. young on young people. And then you'd have older children, I'm assuming Lucy as well, hoping to make a career out of exactly. out of dance. Yeah. They must be really losing out. Exactly. I mean, they've they've lost out on a huge amount of training since March. You know, I have three students currently in England studying full time dance education to make it their career. I also have at least two in the next couple of years that will be auditioning to do the same thing and many more coming up the ranks. And they're worried, you know, they're missing out on, we do uh, exams two times a year. Um, And obviously we haven't been able to do that this term. I don't know will we be able to do it in February. We may be able to do online ones. Uh, But they're missing out on an awful lot and an awful lot of their training. And we don't know, will that then have a detrimental effect on them being able to get into ballet schools or dance schools in the future. That's their whole career round. Exactly, exactly. And for mm. them, you know, this is essential. Essential is different for every yeah, person. Yeah, that's a really that's, you know? that's a really good point. Does it frustrate you then that some sports are allowed to operate under level absolutely. five? Yeah, absolutely, but... yeah. I don't see why it's okay for one and not for the other. Because the, their main argument with us is that they don't want to um, um, add additional parts from school. But surely if they're doing sport, they're doing that anyway. That's true. That's and true. we are trying really hard, all the ballet teachers of Ireland, to keep them within their school groups. You know, and I mean, I've had primary school teachers that are parents of my students come in, look at the studio and say, you're safer than my classroom. You know, they're, they're not allowed near each other. Well, it's the nature of what you're doing in teaching Absolutely. and the very idea of a dance studio. It's a, it's, it's a big, big room. Yes. And also ballet as a rule, as a rule, sorry, is social distance. Yeah. We have to be social distance. Yeah, it's been a tough year for you, Lucy, has it? Well, it's been a tough year for everybody, really. Yeah. But, you know, I really would like to get my students back in the studio. I really don't see why the arts have been basically left behind in this, you know. It's not just ballet as well. It's all dance. It's drama and music as well. You're not even allowed to do a one-to-one piano lesson as it stands in level three. Yeah, yeah, that's, I I have to say, I thought that was absolutely nuts when we looked into that yeah. uh, before as well. It's just, some of it just doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't make sense, no. Okay, all right. So I'll let you get back to your Zooming, uh, Lucia. Yeah. And well done for, for for trying and keeping it going for for your students. You've Thank got you. it's it you know it's all about the students and you can see that it is, it's and all listening about the students, listening yeah. to you talking that that's very much uh, coming through today. Absolutely. Listen, thanks a million for joining us and talking to us no on the program. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Lucy French of the Lucy French uh, School of Dance in Kinsale, and she's a member of the Irish Ballet Teachers Association, and they collectively as a group are saying, look, reconsider please some of the restrictions. Whatever about level five, when we go back either into if we go back to level three or if we were put back into if, even a level four which we haven't gone through yet have we they're saying why can't dance studios remain open I was I mentioned mass and Tom was bemoaning the fact that for 60 years he's gone to mass and suddenly now he's not allowed to go to mass anymore Tim from Mill Street is saying Patricia this country is full of mass rocks remember the mass rocks that they used during famine times maybe says Tim we should go back and use them Hello this is Eric Griffin join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems 
And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8, right here on C103. Deirdre and Bally Villan was listening to my chat with uh, Lucy French and her ballet school in Kinsale and Deirdre says I agree with Lucy my little girl loves to dance she is so missing out on her dance classes I feel they're good for them for the children themselves to take part in dance classes but it is so important for their mental health we're hearing a lot about mental health mental health has been spoken about actually during that ad break there was even a HSE ad telling us all to look after our mental health and yet we are preventing and stopping our children from doing something that they really, really uh, love. And in fairness, Lucy, while she was talking about her own ballet school, you know, she was saying it's not just about ballet, it's about all of the other different types of dance schools and um, stage schools, you know, drama schools, the after school activity, which is so is so important for young people and has become so much a part of young people's lives. And suddenly, because of level five restrictions, completely been taken away from them. 1850-333-103. Now, it makes no sense to me why batteries from speed monitors would be stolen. But unfortunately, this type of crime is continuing to happen. Councillor Michael Looney joins me to highlight what he says is just vandalism. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, and you're welcome and, and well Thank done you. well done for highlighting this because I think the more we talk about it and the more we highlight it we may in some way hopefully get it to stop. Tell me what's happened and where. Well at the moment and I suppose it's progressing there's two stolen in Fairmount in Dunamore one in Clarehoe and one in Waterloo and Blarney and if this is if this Carrianna is replicated through the county. It's a very, very bad, sad day for rural Ireland because these machines, they're actually called driver feedback signs and they're costing around 3000 per unit and most of these are community funded as well, which the community w- w- will buy one and Cockcounts Council will, will do the other one. So yeah, and I there mean, for there's yeah, an awful lot of people involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. And just for people, it's the it's the flashing sign that will tell you the speed you're travelling at as you're either going through. It can be a village or if you're approaching a school. And as you say, it's local communities. They see how important these signs are to reduce speed, so they get together and lots of fundraising went on to yeah, raise the is, money. Yeah, well, and the batteries then the batteries themselves that are being stolen, as regards scrap value, are very little. So obviously there's a market there. Because scrap value, it wouldn't pay with the batteries aren't that big. The batteries are costly around 250 a pair. And the, the batteries themselves would be small in, in, in the sense that they wouldn't weigh for, there'd be very no use whatsoever in, in for, for the scrap market. So obviously there is a market out there for them. There, one thing that can be used for is fencers or they could be used in motorbikes. But obviously there has to be a market because if the demand is there, they'll keep being stolen. Yeah, because I was trying to scratch my head, trying to work out, you know, why, why was somebody, why would you steal one? Why are you using, use, using them first? Because there's a very limited use of them. But as you say, there's got to be a market or people won't continue to steal them. And it, it, it obviously looks like now that, uh, that uh, it's a six-month cycle and that they start around Blarney 
worked our way up through Clairhoe onto onto Dunamore on in and Drumahan and into Mallow and that kind of this is obviously obviously this is a well part out plan, whoever is at it. And is what is it done? Late at night, early hours it, of the morning? It must be early hours of the morning, yeah. And as well as that, like when the batteries when we get new batteries again or whenever they're done, the wiring has to be done. And this has to be calibrated. These machines have to be calibrated. So there's another initial, there's another cost involved there. But it's happening like to our, it's, it's happening actually every six months. So obviously there's a market there. And we'd like to uh, people be vigilant because very rarely they give trouble. So if there's anyone at a pole, or it's no harm to take the number of the car or whatever. But like the minute they're gone in even Kerhoe Village, the residents there will tell you. Oh, the speed is up straight away. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So, so you can, they do you make can a see huge, huge, huge yeah. difference. So you're asking people keep a lookout. Lots of people have dash cams now on yes, their cars. Correct, yeah. If you see anyone acting suspicious around one of these poles, ring your, all, ring your local guardy immediately. Correct, yeah. And also, if there's someone coming with small batteries, offering as for motorbikes or to, to do for electric fences to be... Be cautious about it because, like, there has to be a market for them. There, there's not, there isn't a market in the scrapyard for them, and there has to be a market for them out there somewhere. So there's someone buying them, or there's someone know about it, and like, it, 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 it's 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 just frustrating, really, to to see it happening time and time again. I think the last time I was on with you, Patricia, it was baskets were stolen from hanging baskets. I was with Billings Tidy Towns at the time. I remember I that. Baskets yeah. were stolen. Yeah. And actually. We're hoping you'll do the same thing again. It stopped after that. Did it? So well, that's why that's why I think it's important that we talk about these. Uh, you know, the more attention we draw to it, correct? Yeah, we, yeah. we might just. I mean, even if because if somebody is is attempting to steal one, and even if we were drawing attention that people are looking out for these poles and keeping an eye out on them, it'll just start. You know, if somebody thinks there's somebody watching them, they'll move away because they don't want to get caught. That's you know that's for sure. Is it correct? Yeah. And is it the council then, Michael, picking up the tab it for is the, the council? Ugh. Council have to pick up the tab. Even the last time, now that the, the council went to step further, they put in these dialogues on them to make them a bit more difficult and to delay them. And obviously, that didn't do either. So the council have tried. Like it's it's very very hard. They're inside in a plastic unit, and it's very easy to it's easy enough to get into them really. And there's no way around securing and, that. And, and there's no, there's really no way around securing. But, but like, they're lifesavers for the people that that need them. Like, yeah, yeah, they I do mean, work. They save so many lives. And to get these installed as councillors, it has to go through an MD meeting. That it has to be the place has to be a speed monitor has to be put up to check it. Like it takes a year and a half or two years before we can get them anywhere. So when we get them. They're delighted for them. They're so long waiting for them. And yet when they see this, it's very, very disappointing, to be quite honest. Very disappointing. OK, and the two that you mentioned that were recently taken, have they been replaced or are they still waiting to be replaced? No, they're, st- they're still waiting to be replaced, yeah. OK, as yeah. you say, it isn't It isn't just as simple as popping a battery back in. There's a bit no, of procedure involved. There's a, there's, a, there's a big cost attached to them as well. No, they'll have to be, and they will be replaced. But, like, there's no guarantee, no matter what you do. Like, it, it, it is the public themselves we're depending on now, really, for to, for to help us out, and your programme as well, Patricia, okay. to highlight it and to be vigilant. And if there's any little report to the Garda or the County Council, because, like, 
it, 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 it's happening too often, to be quite honest. As you say, it'll, it can save lives if we can slow down the traffic. Well, well that's exactly We know that speed kills. We know that speed kills. And that okay. is as true as the sign that stop speed does kill. And it does make, because if you ask anyone living in the villages when they're gone, they'd say, oh, they'd know without ever looking that there was something wrong because the speed was after going back up again. But I think we know, I, I was talking about this earlier on this morning with Simon when I knew we were going to be discussing it. I know myself, when, you're, when you approach any of these driver feedback signs, you straight away look at your speedometer to make sure that you are within the correct, correct. speed. They and, do and work. The, the other thing that happens, Patricia, yeah, you do. And the other thing happens for a split second you lift your right leg off the excellence. <laughs> just for a second. And that, that <laughs> is, yeah. that, that automatically, you'll, you'll do that without even knowing it. Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. that automatically is enough to slow you down. Okay, and they're in, they're in areas where there's going to be pedestrian crossing and they're often in areas where there's schools, where there could be children out and about and it's, they're put in place to protect everybody. Anywhere they are, they, they actually have to be there. It's, they're not just put there for the sake of putting them there at all. They're, they're, they're essential everywhere they are and people fought hard for them and like where their schools and everything and yeah and yes you're dead right like that they do save lives they do all right, Michael, listen, thank you for that and thank you for highlighting it to us. And listen, thanks a million Stay safe. for having me on. Thank Stay you. safe. Bye-bye. Okay, bye that bye. is uh, McCroom uh, Councillor Michael Looney. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And actually, in the last hour, I kicked off the programme by playing the Bob Marley uh, track, Three Little Birds. Well, that prompted Mary to say, Patricia, with regards to the Bob Marley song, Three Little Birds, that you played, check out the version on the Glanmire Notice Board Facebook page. It's sung by an adorable little boy and it's sure to put a smile on your face, says Mary. I will have to check that out when I come off air this afternoon, Mary. Thank you for that. The Glanmire Notice Board Facebook page for a little boy doing his version of Bob Marley's Three Little Birds. Thank you for drawing my attention to that, uh, Mary. And thank you to Jackie. When we were talking about holly and berries on the holly bush and it's an annual discussion that happens on the programme with people trying to work out that they'd love to be able to keep some of the gorgeous red berries and to have them, to bring them into the house at Christmas time. But usually by the time Christmas comes, the birds have eaten all the berries off the tree and what to do. And some people cut the holly and they bury it or they put it in sand and loads of different suggestions come in on how to try to preserve the holly. But Jackie from Tupot House, I think, has an interesting one. She says, I keep the net bags that the kindling wood comes in, the type that you buy in the supermarket. I tie a few very securely onto the best bits of my big holly tree. They're then perfect to cut at Christmas time and the birds have the rest of the berries. So she's not covering the whole tree because you'd need a lot of netting to cover the whole tree. But cover sections of it and there's lots of different types of netting and good to see that Jackie is reusing netting that comes from the kindling wood. But that's 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 an idea if you have a nice holly bush or a holly tree in your garden and there's parts of it that you just want to keep so you can have some of the berries but you're not 
keeping all of the berries. You're going to make sure that the birds have have berries as well. Thank you. Uh, good suggestion, uh, Jackie. Thank you for that in New Tupot House. And Martha in Kinsale texts the programme to say, Patricia, just want to thank you for having Lucy French on air in the last hour to highlight the importance of in-person dance classes for children. I spent countless evenings after school in Lucy's studio while I was a teenager and I can't imagine not having had that outlet when I needed it most as a teenager. I'm long out of school now but the skills I learned in dance class stayed with me throughout my college years. It's so important to treat the arts with the same level of respect as sports and that comes in from Martha in Kinsale. Thank you for that uh, Martha and I think a number of people would agree with Martha. It's almost like the arts have been left behind. I know there was some funding allocated yesterday to some artistic groups and even within that there's disputes going on as to who's after getting the grants and who hasn't got the grants. Some of the panther groups were hoping to get it and not all of the panther groups got it and I know the circuses for example were completely left out of those grants but the arts have been left behind I think in this pandemic and so many people whose jobs are linked to the arts have had no work since March and there's no end in sight for them. We've spoken with other people involved in the arts and musicians for example since the pandemic began and how many of them have said they were the first to close and they will be the last to reopen because it's so difficult to see ourselves at a time where theatres will be able to open and you know, large groups will be welcomed in to support the arts. So it is, uh, but Martha is right, I think as much importance has to be given to the arts as we give to sports and we speak so many times about sport and how important it is for sports, for people's mental health. But we forget about the people who are not into sports and who rely on the arts as their outlet and their mental health is suffering because of it. So thank you, Martha, for your text to 0862 103 103. And then Meg says, people had to adjust to life during the Second World War. This is World War Three. We just have an invisible enemy. So we all need to stop complaining and just get on with life, this new life that we are leading at the moment. So Meg wants everyone to stop complaining. Well, you're not going to be happy, Meg, with that, with the next piece I'm going to, because this came in yesterday. This is a really good piece from one of our listeners who signs themselves a saddened crafter. And it says, Patricia, I forward a copy of a letter that was on last Saturday's Examiner and it made me very sad if you'd like to read it out to your listeners. And this was one of, you know, a letter to the editor in last Saturday's Examiner. And it was sent in by a lady called Irene from Toom in County Galway. And it reads, I am a pensioner with health issues and I've been isolating since March when COVID-19 turned everybody's worlds upside down. Having no family to depend on, Living alone and only leaving my apartment to buy food twice a month is tough. I am, however, lucky in the sense that my passion is knitting and crocheting. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, I used to belong to a knitting group and I made good friends there. It is a therapeutic hobby that keeps me busy and helps to keep my spirits up. Suffering from chronic pain causes depression, but Creating beautiful projects gives me a sense of purpose and a fulfilment. As a pensioner, 
I've been buying wool from Aldi for years and it's very good value for money. The government have now decided to stop Aldi and Lidl from selling the middle aisle goods as it's deemed non-essential. What am I supposed to do now? It's the only activity that keeps me sane and keeps me content. What am I living for if I've no family, no friends, nowhere to go and the only hobby I love is taken away from me? Am I non-essential too? And that was signed uh, Irene from Tume in County Galway. And as I say, a listener sent it on saying how saddened she was reading the letter. And she says, I go back to the listener's comment. I understand that these big stores are trying to avoid a large crowd gathering around certain items. But knitting and crochet have kept a lot of people sane since last March. I too love the crafts and I've crocheted a good few blankets for the Blankets of Hope for the cancer patients in Cork and the satisfaction I get is second to none. How I feel to be how I feel to be able to help somebody, especially nowadays. The wool was supposed to be on sale on a special in Aldi last Thursday, but alas, due to restrictions and that signed a saddened uh, crafter. And actually I saw, you know, Aldi to their little magazines where they say what's coming up and I saw it last week that they were bringing in a stock of wool and because what caught my eye was this gorgeous ball of wool in rainbow colours that looked absolutely gorgeous and I remembered looking at all the wool saying oh that'll keep people during lockdown that'll keep people busy because I have a, a sister who's a very uh, prolific knitter she's a fantastic knitter and she says it kept her sane throughout all of the lockdowns and all of the restrictions to be able to sit at night and just knit and there are many people do that even when they're watching TV people who just can't sit and do nothing they have to be knitting away and the you know the needles clicking away and Aldi have had normally of great value in wool so for a pensioner on a limited budget because I know people say oh, she'll be able to get wool online there's a typical example of somebody who A mightn't be able to go online because she mightn't have the bank account that we spoke about yesterday B she mightn't have access to the internet to be able to put her online to buy the items on uh, online or maybe she just can't afford it if she's a pensioner living just on the state pension and managing from week to week and she buys the cheapest wool the best value for wool that she can get her hands on and if that's in a German retailer then that's in a German retailer but if that now suddenly is not available to her so yeah I agree it's a really really sad letter I think particularly the the end of her letter where she says am I now non-essential to now wouldn't you hate to think of anyone doesn't have any family living on her own and gets her bit of enjoyment out of doing her bit of knitting and coming up with very creative, making very creative items and that now has been taken away from her. That's just soul destroying for her, uh, certainly. And then people were asking, you know, about this whole thing of non-essential and what people can buy and can't buy and what we've been promoting people with Shop Local and try to promote and try to support shops that are actually closed but may have some kind of a click and collect service available and we're saying to people to check out, you know, in your local towns to see what businesses are available. And somebody yesterday was saying, under the restrictions, are are these businesses allowed to operate? Their doors are closed, but can they operate on a click and collect that people, you know, 
you phone in your order or you put your order in online, whatever way you do it, and then you arrive at the door and they'll have it all ready for you and they'll hand it out uh, to you. And yes, I can confirm because I said I'd look into this when we got some calls in yesterday about it. Retailers are, the retailers that are closed are allowed to offer a click, a click and collect service under the level five restrictions. Looking at the guidelines, they allow for outlets to operate online or to offer other remote systems of ordering goods and then it allows the customers to collect the goods at the outlet. Now, the fact that you're allowed to operate it online but also other remote systems. So that means that the shop could have a telephone service where you could ring the shop to see have you such and such an item that I need and then they'll obviously arrange a day and a time for you to come and uh, collect it. Now this wasn't permitted under the previous lockdown and that's what somebody was pointing out yesterday. Why is it allowed? They've changed the guidelines. You were right, it wasn't allowed on the first lockdown but it is allowed this time where customers can they can also obviously access goods via delivery. Under level 5 restrictions, all non-essential retail is closed. That does include garden centres, furniture shops, hardware, furnishings and flooring, all of the clothing shops, footwear shops, Bookshops. Many people are bemoaning the fact that bookshops are all closed to customer access. But that doesn't mean that you can't access your local footwear store, your local clothing, your local book shop. You can order and collect as long as it's within your five kilometre limit as well. You can't suddenly decide oh, I'm going to go to Dublin to a bookstore in Dublin to pick up a book, for example. So you've got to stick within your five kilometres or if, or if you live eight kilometres away and it's the only bookstore you will be, will be allowed to, uh, to do that and that was all confirmed by the Minister for State uh, for Business the wonderful Damien English the man who told us the clothes are not uh, essential but he and he went on then to encourage retailers to adapt their businesses to allow for collection services and I, I certainly was downtown in Mallow on Saturday and you could see that a number of stores have adapted for that and there was you know there was lights on and there was people in, in workers inside in the premises and there was tables outside ready for for kick and collect or order over the phone and collect. So please do that because the one worry I had when we went into this lockdown, particularly so close to Christmas, was that suddenly everybody's just going to go online and that all of the hard-earned cash just goes out of the country. We need to keep as much of our money in the country as we can and then closer to home we need to keep it in the local economy as well so it's all about shopping local and shopping local is more important this year than it ever was 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls if you want to contact us you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and of course you can always email the programme Patricia at c103.ie C103 Jobs Qualified child care practitioner is required. That's for Ashes Angels Preschool that's based in Mallow. Fully qualified motor vehicle technician with experience in diagnostic and modern vehicle electronics wanted. That's for Mallow. While experienced rigid tipper driver wanted for Cork City and the North Cork area. And a person is wanted to care for an elderly lady in her own home in the Drumahan area, you may be required to stay overnight on occasions. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. We have a long road to travel with this yet because what has 
big agreed as well is it's going to be a two-year transition period. The first year of the new cap, we have to use that time to get the best deal possible for our farmers. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Only on C103. And some people are on uh, trying to help out people who are trying to buy discounted wool to keep them going during lockdown. Hi, Patricia, says Mike. I was shopping in Home Savers this morning in Newcastle West and you can buy wool and clothing there. Yet the Aldis, the Lidl's and the Tesco's in town can't. It's not making uh, sense to Mike. Now, Home Savers is a store that I don't know. So I did a quick Google search and it seems to be kind of a large discount store. That's in Newcastle West, Limerick and in uh, Nina. I don't know if they've got stores in Cork or not. But uh, Mike is just saying there seems to be discrepancies that some stores are selling what other stores uh, are not. And a Cork City listener was saying to the listener who couldn't get wool in uh, Aldi, has she tried some of the other discounters? She's suggesting deals or Mr Price if there was one in her area because they certainly have wool on uh, sale. 1850 Now pressure is being put on the government to address what is called dial-a-drink services operating in many parts of the country including here in Cork. Raising his concerns is Sinn Féin spokesperson on addiction, recovery and well-being, and that's Deputy Thomas Gould. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Now, for those of us not in the know, what's a dial-a-drink service? Well, this service has been going on for years and we've raised this issue in the past. But because of the pandemic and the, the lockdown, what it is is people are putting up ads on Facebook these anonymous people where you get just get a mobile number where you can ring and they will deliver alcohol to you any time of the day or night. So it's like d- Deliveroo delivers food. This is like similar to that, but it's just, it's alcohol. Yes, but the, the big problem and why we are looking for regulation is uh, the big issue in the past was be they were de- delivering to people who were underage. So there was no checks and balances in place. So there was no check that the person ordering the alcohol was over 18. And there was no check that the person who receives the alcohol is over 18. So that's the issue that we originally got involved with it. But also one of the other issues is, like, all places have restrictions to 10pm. Pubs have restrictions depending on if it's a weekday or a weekend, how long they can open. This style of drink is operating 24-7. Uh, they're delivering to house parties. They're delivering to young people. There's no checks in it. And it's and also you have the whole issue of delivering to people who might be intoxicated already, who might be living alone, or people who would have uh, who'd be in the middle of addiction. If you go to a pub, and if you if I go to a pub and if I'm drunk, a barman will refuse to serve me if he if he thinks I'm off the li- if he thinks I've had too much alcohol. Where this style of drink is, they will just deliver the alcohol, and they, there's no onus on them to ensure that the person who receives this is capable of drinking this. So and where where are they where are they sourcing the alcohol? Oh, listen, they're, they're probably they're probably buying it in bulk, or they're probably uh, getting it from wholesalers. You see, the thing about it is because they're anonymous, they're they're operating. There's actually no they're not breaking any laws because uh, unless they're supplying it to under 18s. But to deliver alcohol, 
there's just no regulation, there's no guidelines or laws in place to prevent them from doing this. Like, this is something that we can work with the government and other political parties to put in place because we think this is a loophole in the system that needs to be closed. And our big worry at the moment is you have a lot of young people now uh, who are after finding out about the service, who are making this phone call online, and a lot of underage people are getting access to alcohol that needs to be stopped. And they advertise, I take it on social media, is it just with a mobile number? Just with the mobile number, and you, you see them on Facebook and other, uh, and other social media, and what happens then is, I suppose, people share it. Like, that's, that's one of the great things with social media is the accessibility that everyone has to it. But the problem without regulation then is putting a lot of people, um, vulnerable people at risk. And also you have the, the, the poor delivery drivers who are just going out to do a job. Um, like They have no regulation and they're delivering the houses then where they're just told deliver X, deliver a couple of cases or a couple of bottles to this house and uh, you get paid. So we, we, need, we need regulation both for the people who are del- delivering it but specifically for the people who are buying it because we need control in place. Yeah, because, I mean, what you're saying is you could have a group of 16-year-olds who, whose mammy and daddy are away and somebody's having a house party and we'll dial the drink, so we'll ring up and we'll order a bottle of vodka, a couple of slabs of beer. Somebody turns up at the door, we hand over the money, no questions asked, and suddenly we have all the alcohol, these 16-year-olds have the alcohol. And that, that's actually what's happening, Patricia. We, we've gotten stories and we've been told stories and sometimes they're actually delivering it to an area. It might be specifically to a house. What, to so the local a, park? Well, maybe not the local park, but you could have people standing outside of a house or a premises, and when the guy arrives to deliver it, they meet him there, and they just pay the money, and off they go and have... Uh, off they go drinking, you know? And the point is, there's no, there's no regulation there. They're, like... Their parents probably believe that they can't get access to alcohol because they're underage and they know that pubs and off licenses have the proper checks in place. And like this has been we we've been talking about this for some time and hopefully now um the government will take on board because like I've held meetings as part of my portfolio with different groups and the whole issue of alcohol addiction, um this is a national campaign that's being rolled out. And we're looking to support it now, we're looking to get cross-party support because like, young people are particularly vulnerable during the COVID-19 crisis and lockdowns and we think it's important that we put the, the protection in place. And also you have some people who are at home during the pandemic and like you've discussed this yourself about the isolation that people are suffering. Yeah. Do we want people who are in the middle of addiction and being isolated and just have an alcohol delivered to their door without any checks to see are they okay, are they drunk? Like, is this something that needs to happen? Like Those people need protection as well, you know? And we have no idea who operates these services. Because it's it's literally just a mobile telephone number. Yes, yeah, it's just it's literally just a mobile telephone number, and we're not talking about uh, delivery services. No, from let's say the super values or the Tesco's or Dunn's or even some restaurants and bars that might have a, a, a small takeaway. They're all 
they have all restrictions in place for them. These are just dilute drink. They've been like it's been around for years, but really the pandemic has seen it come to the fore because I suppose people are staying at home now. And if you can phone someone there at 11 or 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning and get them to deliver alcohol to you, or if you're underage, you know, it's. It, it, yeah, you can see, you can do. really see the inherent dangers in this because even for leaving the young people aside, I mean, it's very worrying that young people could get access uh, to alcohol under 18s. But for people, as you say, in uh, addiction, are, are people, even just people who are at a house party who decide that they're going to have so many bottles of wine or, you know, cans of beer. And when they run out in normal times, they run out, they're gone. So you go home or whatever, you go to bed. But if there's a service like this, the drink is never ending. Yes. Uh, what you do then is, like, there shouldn't be host parties at this moment in time. Absolutely. Like, we, we know they're taking place. And the thing about it then is, this is where it gets out of hand. This is where things can go wrong. You know, like, listen, I take a drink myself, Patricia. Anyone drink in moderation, like, everything in moderation is fine. This service, one of, like, the restrictions are there on all licenses at the moment. They shut at 10 o'clock. That law came in for a reason, but this dilute drink then offers a service and it, it creates major problems and it puts people at risk. And, like, this is not a criticism. I'm not criticising anyone here. I'm trying to be constructive and come up with solutions. We know that the, the local alcohol task forces and groups are advocating for this and we're to support them and say to the minister and to the government, if you bring in um, legislation will support it and we'll try to get it in as quickly as possible because at the end of the day it's about protecting the most vulnerable and like in particular young people and those living alone like you talk about isolation yourself like some people the more they're isolated the more they will fall into addiction it's just it's just a cycle as yeah. you know yourself OK and you are aware of diet drink operators here in Cork Yes, oh yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. OK, all right, uh, Thomas, we'll keep an eye on this one. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks thank for joining us uh, on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Sinn Féin Dáil Deputy uh, Thomas Gould, 1850 When I was talking about shopping local and trying to support your local businesses and so many businesses now have turned their attention to online and doing click and collect uh, services because retailers are allowed to offer a click and collect service under level five restrictions. They weren't allowed to do it under the previous lockdown but there are guidelines in place to allow it this time round. Violet says, what about people who don't use a computer to do the click and collector as I mentioned yesterday, people who don't have a bank account. Some shops not all, but some shops are actually offering a dial and collect. So if you ring the shop check with them that you're, that you, the item you're looking for whatever it is and they will arrange for you to come in person and to uh, collect it. Uh, we, I, I can't give you a list of what shops are doing that but if you just check in with your local shop and get a phone number for them and give them a ring just to see but many are doing local businesses are doing everything they can to try to look after their customers and to try to keep their own business going. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and you can also reach us on Facebook Messenger. 
Egg foil mock quid is farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. Bonich on Cork Public Museum a bork big garret civilian ochtiog at the had a kuig. Unta special a guina all in dungahed. Lagan the museum shall beam air and doch the winning la kirkig marvala mount ishach. Agas horror the young, good on has her heledian e a dochal tea a dinner heart er alla on valle. Todian to now homa on Egypt orsa agas on reg. Tirshir er in star egg and public museum agas win saltas cafe agas narakan the oil at a hoid and law her so a ruach nali. Nukta quid denaneha is fari gorkig C103. Someone messaged earlier if I can find it saying, uh, Patricia, do you know the living alone allowance that went up in the budget? Do you know when we are to get that? It is from the 6th of January, it was one of the few increases in social welfare that was announced in the budget last month but it's from the 6th of January normally people are waiting longer for those increases but they're not leaving it as on this time so that's the 6th of January and Margaret says Hi Patricia could you find out for me is Cunvira Charity Shop in Newmarket open during the Covid restrictions no all of the charity shops closed but I did see online that the Vincent's shop you know the shops that are operated by the Vincent de Paul Society they were operating a click and collect where you could go on to I think it was onto their Facebook page and if you saw an item that you liked you could contact them and they'd put it aside and then you could go and uh, collect it. So you need to check in. I don't know how many other charity shops are in a position to have a scheme like that available to them. So Margaret, the best thing you can do is check with that charity shop that you're talking about, Convira Charity Shop in Newmarket. But as to being open to the general public as normal, no, all charity shops is closed because they fall under retail. Now, I want to move to a completely different topic for a moment because Skibbereen Heritage Centre are appealing to people to come forward with any information they may have on those buried in the old graveyard in Drimalig and uh, the wonderful Terry Carney of the Skibbereen Heritage Centre joins me. Good morning to you Terry. Good morning and, Patricia and thank you very much for having well, us Well it's always a pleasure to, to speak with you. I suppose tell me a little bit about this old graveyard in uh, Drimalig and the information that you already have. Yeah sure. Drimalig old graveyard is the one past, up past the church for anybody who knows it. Uh, medieval um, Pre-Reformation, it was both Catholic and, and Protestant and the Methodist burials there. So essentially some years ago, Margaret Murphy um, did a survey of it and went around and um, transcribed all the headstones. And we appealed to people to come forward with information. And all of that information is on our website, skibheritage.com. Over the years, we've been transforming these surveys into signs on site and actually mapping them. So you can go along and you can look up your ancestor's name and then there's a map to show you exactly where they are in the graveyard. And when we've been doing that, we've been asking people to check the original survey to see if there's any additional information and we've been getting loads of it, including people who are not named on headstones. We welcome that. And we'll include them all on the sign and we'll update our database at the same time. All right. So anyone who might have had family who originally came from Drimalik? Yeah, or even the whole hinterland, actually. It, it covers quite an area. But people generally know, oh, my, my great-grandmother was buried yeah. there. But even if you don't know where, if you know her name, um, anything at all, just email. The only thing is important to say is, though, we need it in writing. Because if there's ever any comeback, you know, we have a record of it. So we're asking people either to write to us at the Heritage Centre or to email us and we would be delighted to accept that information before December 11th. What's the earliest grave there that you have records for? 
Um, they go back to the 18th century, but wow. of course a lot of the early ones aren't inscribed. But there are some gorgeous headstones there, like seriously beautiful headstones. And hopefully we'll make um, a video, of, a little video tour of it too, so we can share that with the world. Okay, and you're doing fantastic work with your with your video uh, tours. And I suggest anybody who hasn't seen them uh, to go on to your website, uh, Skibbereen Heritage, Skibheritage.com, isn't isn't that what it's it under? Indeed, yeah. And yeah, there's a graveyard section and you can check the database and the videos there. And it isn't, by the way, anyway morbid. I know... You're you're a bit like me. We were a bit fascinated with old uh, graveyards, and I know you get kind of funny looks when you say to somebody, "I like to visit old graveyards," but there's something really special about them, and there isn't anything more. But in any of the videos that you've put up, but I was looking at the one that you've done on the children's uh, graveyards, the the uh, um, Kilinis. I suppose explain to people what the Kilinis were. Sure. Well, Killini are, are, in my opinion, very, very important sites because they're unofficial, so they're not recorded. So essentially, it goes back again to the 17th century, around 1600, the church decreed that anybody who was unbaptized could not be buried in consecrated ground. So now you had unbaptized babies, people who had committed suicide, various different people could no longer be buried in consecrated ground. And people came up with a very novel solution and a beautiful solution. They started burying them initially in old church sites that would have been consecrated ground, you know, small monasteries and Killeen, that's what the name means, little church. And then as the population increased and there were, you know, pressure came on the land, they were also buried in places like ring forts, fairy forts, so they were protected. So they were they were unofficial burial grounds for people that could no, that weren't allowed to be permitted, uh, weren't allowed to be buried in consecrated ground, and they're all over the place. There's there's dozens of them across West Cork, and they are every bit as important as the official burial grounds, in my opinion. And people locally respect them. Huge respect. Um, in the video, I, I hope you, you, if you've seen it, yeah, I have. Yeah. On, yeah, there was one on my. Carney ancestral home place and a beautiful man, John O'Sullivan, unfortunately now deceased. Um, he was just an exemplar of that. You know, people had great respect for them because most of them now are in farmland, so they know. Oh, there's a clean in that corner, and they'd never plough it or they'd never upset it. Um, and John carried it even a step further. He planted trees around it to protect it, and put his wife's cross on her temporary cross from her grave there and his son Niall now has an equal respect for it but I suppose my concern as well is that as more and more land is changing hands from traditional hands you know new people are buying them and maybe they're not hearing about that corner in the, in the, over there as a clean so I'm just afraid some of them might get destroyed not through malice or anything but just through n- people not being aware of them so yeah. that was one of the things we wanted to do is pick, make, raise awareness about them God, they were very tough times, weren't they? I mean, for for I mean, obviously, if it was a child that wasn't baptized, it was more than likely a child that maybe was stillborn or died at birth or shortly after birth. And just thinking of how traumatic that was on the mother who would who wouldn't have even attended the funeral in in the Killeen. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for me probably one of the most emotional parts of it. You know, they, they the the poor little deceased child now it was given the respect of being put in a coffin and everything and having a little grave marker but it was buried at night generally by the father and the neighbour or a friend 
and quite often the woman wouldn't know where it was buried. Now, she might know it's in the local Killeen, but where in that Killeen, she'd never know. She'd never have been taken there. Um, and, you know, it's kind of that taboo about being able to talk about it afterwards. And I suppose there's a lot of stillbirths in my own family. And I just think, you know, all those poor mothers, it's really important to know where your little Baba is buried, you know. So there were generations of people who didn't, or generations of women who, who didn't know that. And it must have been really heartbreaking for them. And I don't know when, when did the Catholic Church change their view on that, on the burying of babies who weren't baptised? I just, I don't know the exact date, but I think it was kind of more or less became unofficial. Yeah. You know, kind of turn a blind eye sort of thing. Um, but it was the 20th century, certainly. And, you know, a lot of them, look, we did one on Asadown graveyard there, and the children were buried on the riverside of, outside the graveyard, but on the riverside, because, you know, the, the consecrated ground, if it rained, it would wash them, you know. Oh, it would actually, yeah were buried on the outside of graveyards just to be close because people had this, you know, really strong belief system and, you know, it was, it was it was very difficult for them not to be able to place their loved one in consecrated ground. Yeah. But they really went to great effort to give them respect. And, and as you say, it, it was, OK, while the, while the poor mother was doing her own grieving, it was the dad had to do the burial. Poor creature. Oh, dreadful. Yeah, yeah, dreadful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, as I say, go on to your, onto your website. You'll see there's a, a fabulous little video of it. And if anybody is anywhere near Killeen's, just to, to go visit them and, and pay the respect uh, that they that they deserve. And we need to celebrate. You've also been shortlisted for an All Ireland Chambers Excellence Award. Yes, Tell me about yeah, this. Yeah, that was a lovely surprise. Um, well, I suppose what we're doing with the graveyards is unique in Ireland. Um, there's a whole group of us doing it. So we're doing we're doing the surveys, which are done in other places, but we're doing signs to go with those, which are done in other places, and we're doing videos as well. So, But the combination of the three, as far as I'm aware, we're the only place in Ireland that is doing that. So um, we've been shortlisted for the All-Ireland um, Heritage and Built Environment Chamber's Excellence Award, and we're delighted with that, to be honest, because uh, it's, it's it just draws attention to the, the graveyard project too, and just, you know, it's nice to have someone say, well done as well. And Because uh, we do, you know, there's a great team of us there, and it's all done with great heart and enthusiasm and perfectionism as much as we can. So, it's, um, we're very grateful to be recognised for that. Well done, well done. Let us know how, how you get on with it uh, because Mary in Westcock says, Patricia, can I just say what Terry is doing is just fantastic. Brilliant work at uh, long, long and may it continue. So people are very appreciative of what you and the rest of the gang are doing and it's, it's always good to get a chance uh, to recognise that uh, as well. And I'm assuming that people from all over the world are going on to your website, are they? And, and people trying oh, to reconnect yeah, with their heritage. Yeah. Oh, completely. And particularly, well, I mean, the, the database is of huge benefit. Now, we will be uploading, I'll let you know when we do that, we'll be uploading about another 10,000 burial register records towards the end of the year. So there's tens of thousands of records up there, which were not available to the general public before. But the videos, particularly, I think, because it brings them there. Um, yeah. And not only overseas, I, I the last, Thankfully, during this lockdown, we were allowed to visit graveyards. But I think one of the most moving conversations I had during the last lockdown was uh, um, my post lady actually said to me, you know, delighted with your Cora video because um, a friend of mine was, you know, he used to go to the grave every week and he hasn't been able to go. And now he watches the video 
And I oh. just thought, ah, oh, the creature. You know, it's, um, yeah. Graveyards are very important yeah. to those Irish people. And we're, we're, again, we're, we're out of, we're extraordinary in that. And I, I don't think it's anything to be embarrassed about that we love those that went before us. And that's what graveyards represent to us. So we're really delighted to bring that closer to people in some way. And I think it was one of the reasons when we headed into the second lockdown and when the new restrictions were coming in and we know that Neffert and the government looked back on the first lockdown and what worked and what didn't work. And I think they knew they made a big boob when not allowing people to go to their to their graveyard. I remember having a man uh, contact us when we were only allowed to go the two kilometres and his wife was buried four kilometres from his house. And he said, do you think I could risk going? And it just broke my heart. And a generation of a man who would never break a rule, you know, I was saying to him, get into the car and go, you'll be fine terrified that he'd be stopped by the guards and just you know so I was glad to see that they, they did change that anyway listen once again fantastic work that you're doing long long may it continue skibheritage.com if people want to see and find out more and thanks a million for once again joining us on the programme thanks so much Patricia good morning to you bye 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 and it's the wonderful Terry Carney you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed now we have a listener who's having a problem Bernie Thank you, Bernie, for your text. Having a problem with the NDLS. I don't know if you can hear, there is rain pelting against the window. Normally, because I'm in a soundproofed room that has double windows, you normally can never hear rain or wind or whatever the weather is doing outside. And that's that's the first time I've ever, I can actually hear the rain beating off the window. Oh, I'm telling you, it's gone so dark outside. Stay indoors. Anyway, somebody's having a problem with the NDLS, the National Driving Licence Service. Let me read out Bernie's uh, query. Bernie says, I'm having problems trying to access the NDLS to sort my husband's renewal of his driver's licence. When I tried to book an appointment, it sends me to a calculator to check expiry date. And when I put in the expiry date, which by the way is the 14th of November, it's saying no extension applies. Surely the system should be updated with the new lockdown in force. It then won't let me proceed with booking an appointment. I cannot get through to them by phone. It's ridiculous. And is there anybody else having the same problem? Thanking you, says Barney. So while the news was on, I went on to the NDLS and as soon as you go on to it, you know, an important notice comes up at the start telling you, you know, because of the lockdown that the NDLS, the government has classified some road safety authority services as essential and we've dealt with that already. It's for essential workers. They are allowed driving tests, etc. And then they say on the extension of driving licence and learner permits, expiry dates on some driver's licence and learner permits have been automatically extended. And then you click to see if your permit or licence is due for renewal and the expiry date calculator that Bernie speaks of, she put in her husband's date. It says an extension isn't isn't applicable in his case but yet when she goes to try and book then she's not able to book which isn't making any sense at all to me. Now I've got, I'm getting John Paul to check in and see because she, Bernie says she can't get through on the phones so I'm trying to see if there is another phone some other telephone number that we can pass on to Bernie but failing that I'm wondering could you email them I'm just on their site to see is there an email for the NDLS service I'm wondering sometimes if you email them they're pretty good to come back. Now, I know they're on Facebook and Twitter, but not everyone is on Facebook and uh, Twitter. 
I find that's a great way to get a business to respond to you if you tweet them because they don't like sort of any bad publicity and normally they'll get back to you by direct message or something like that. They'll get you to follow them for a direct message later on. I don't know if Bernie has access to Facebook or Twitter. That would be another way. But see if you can go on their link and find a an email for them they they might be you might be able to get through to them that way and in the meantime as I say John Paul is going to check out to see if there's any way that you can make contact with them but it's certainly what you're saying in, in your WhatsApp message to us Bernie is not making sense at all if they're saying there isn't an extension applying to your husband's driving licence then you should be able to book an appointment and thank you to a huge number of people who have contacted us reacting to the letter I read out from the lady the, the little pensioner in Irene in Toome in County Galway who was so disappointed that Aldi and Little are now no longer selling wool and it is her one passion. She lives on her own and what has kept her going through lockdown and she's basically been in lockdown since March. She only goes out twice a month to get her groceries and she's been shopping in Aldi for the wool because it's good quality wool at a price that she can afford but because the centre aisles in the German retailers are now gone. She can't access the wool anymore. And, and she said in the letter, she was wondering, it was a letter to the editor's page of the Irish Examiner last Saturday, am I now non-essential too? And it really was quite heartbreaking to read it. Lots and lots and lots of people were on them saying that there's lovely wool available in all of the Deals stores. Eleanor and Clonakilty was saying she can get it in Deals in uh, Clam for anybody looking for it in the Clonakilty uh, area. And lots of people saying Deals Someone said, not as fancy as Aldi, but it might actually keep her going. And then we had a lovely offer in from somebody who said, if that lady wants knitting wool, I'll post it on to her. I have plenty at no charge. The kindness of some people is absolutely terrific. So thank you for that. But for others who are looking for wool, as I say, this was a letter to an editor from, we just wanted to highlight the issue more than any anything else. But if anybody else, because we had a number of people agreeing and saying that they were having problems trying to access cheap wool. So somebody saying lots of people are saying deals and then somebody was on to us earlier as well about Convera Charity Shop in Newmarket and was it opened and I said you'd need to check in well obviously somebody was listening because Marie was on to say Convera Charity Shop in Newmarket are actually open Thursday, Friday and Saturday mornings that's for receiving donations okay so because people are still during lockdown it's a great time as well to have a clear out of your house and pass the things on to the charity shop because they'll make money out of it and it saves the amount of stuff going to landfill as well. So it's good for the environment by passing things on to charity shops. So they're open Thursday, Friday and Saturday mornings if you've got donations for Cunvera Charity Shop in Newmarket. And they also tell us that they're going to bring in a click and collect service and they're hoping to start it later today or tomorrow. And you can check it all out on their Facebook page. So for people in the Newmarket area who regularly support Cunvera Charity Shop, check out their Facebook page for a click and collect service. And thank you to somebody who pointed this out to us. And while news was on, I went on Twitter to have a look. It was actually trending earlier today with everything that's going on in... in oh, there's my phone. Sorry, I have my phone, too near the mic, my phone too near the microphone to take a look at this. This went up on Fina Gale's Twitter feed earlier today. And they say that this week in Fine Gael, they're focusing on how you can deal better with level five. So first up, and this is today, is a video of Richard Bruton TD 
baking scones. It's wholesome con- content that you've been waiting for all this year. And I took a look at it and it's Richard Bruton making fabulous looking scones. The man has a great skill when it comes to scones and he gives his full recipe of how you do it and he shows you how to do it. And it's a little video and it lasts uh, just under two minutes. And I'm assuming the fact that Fina Gale have posted it today saying first up is Richard Bruton. I imagine we will have other members of the Fina Gale party coming out doing different little video clips. I don't know if they're all going to be baking or not but you can check it out. It was trending earlier today and he says in the video about how he loves baking, he loves making scones and how baking helps him to relax after a stressful day and I think a number of people would agree with him. Some people find baking really great way to unwind a little bit like when people are talking about the knitting and how important the knitting is to is to people it's a great way to help people unwind uh, as well so if you want to check that out that's on Fina Gale's uh, Facebook or on, on their Twitter it's probably gone up on their Facebook page as well but we happen to see it on Twitter Catherine Thanks for your kind words about the programme. Catherine is wondering when I mentioned the Living Alone Allowance because somebody asked when was the the Living Alone Allowance an extra five euro was given in the budget last month. When is that going to kick in? And we checked it out. It's coming in on the 6th of January. Catherine was on to saying did people on a disability allowance get a rise? No. There was no other increases for you know, usually the five euro that they give to everyone. Obviously, they can't afford it this year with everything that's going on with the pandemic. But if you, for people living alone, the living alone allowance has gone up by five euro. But that comes in, as I say, on the 6th of January. And the fact we've been talking about charity shops, somebody said, Patricia, do you know of any venues that would welcome secondhand books? Many people have more time for reading now. Oh, wouldn't it be great to share the books when you have them read, thanking you. And you and it would, because some people were upset about the fact that bookshops were closed, that they can't go out and buy their new books. And others were, were talking yesterday. Somebody was saying, cannot understand why libraries, even though libraries are doing click and collect uh, services. But people again were saying that surely libraries, you can socially distance. People were a bit upset that libraries closed under level five. So let's put a shout out. Does anybody know of charity shops or venues that are accepting second-hand books. I saw, I was dropping off clothes and bric-a-brac to the Vincent's, one of the Vincent de Paul shops and I saw a sign up there saying that they weren't accepting books and I don't know if that is to do with the pandemic or whether they had too many books. I don't know, but I certainly saw a sign saying that they were no longer or weren't accepting books at the moment. So I don't know if that's the case for all charity shops. So let us put the shout out to anybody listening to us, uh, please. If you are involved in a charity shop, do you know uh, and if you are accepting second-hand books so that we can let others know because I, I think that listener is right. Many people are reading. They're almost eating the books. They're reading so many of them at the moment and some people like to keep books but others, I certainly am one of the people. I, I never keep books. I like to pass them on and share the love with somebody else. So if there's anybody out there, any charities out there that are accepting books, can you let us know and we'll give it a shout out and we, so that other listeners might be able to donate the books to you. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103 103. 
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Can Talk, which is a support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. Their group now continues online with support meetings held every Tuesday evening at half past seven. Now, attendance is free, but booking is essential. On the first Tuesday of every month, which is this evening, Cancer Warriors Community Group meet. Full details available on the Can Talk brochures online at www.cantalk.ie. Or you can phone for more details 089. 089- Two three nine zero eight six three, and Cove GAA they're continuing their online Zoom bingo every Sunday at eight o'clock. You can check out their Facebook page for details. Are the community diary section of the C one hundred three website, and their next bingo is next Sunday night, the eighth of November. And on the thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth of November, Avenue Macra are fundraising for the Irish Heart Foundation, and they'll hold a virtual speed dating night. To participate, you must firstly complete the survey on the Avenue Macra social media, then donate a maximum of ten euro to the Irish Heart Foundation through the GoFundMe link and send proof of your donation to avenuemacra@gmail.com. You'll then receive a link to the scheduled Zoom meeting where you can meet the partner of your dreams. With level five restrictions now in place, it's more important than ever to keep it local. That's why C103 asks you to make every effort to shop locally, whether it's in store for essentials online or click and collect. A thriving local economy is good for everyone. You'll save time and support local jobs. You can make it better. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, where you can shop local for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Thank you for keeping it local. Thank you for keeping it local. From everyone at C103. And thank you to somebody who said the Irish Cancer Society shops uh, certainly accept second-hand books to the listener that was Burr in the city. I said that and thank you uh, Burr. That was the listener who was saying you know lots of people are reading now and they have extra books wouldn't it be nice to pass them on and great that a charity would benefit as well. So if you check in with a local Cancer Society Irish Cancer Society shop to see if they are still accepting books in your area. And Elaine says Hi Patricia speaking of ways to deal with level 5 can I say thank you to Andreas Moynihan the TD for sending daffodil flower bulbs in the post yesterday it really brightened my day thanking you says Elaine I don't know how was it just you Elaine or did Andreas Moynihan send them out to a lot of his constituents but well done and it'll certainly brighten up your spring Elaine make sure you get out in the garden and plant them and it will brighten up your spring for sure and on the driving licence and the query that came in from the listener who's having problems trying to get through to the NDLS because she's having problems trying to book an appointment for her her husband whose driving licence is up on the 14th of November. John Paul checked in and the phone number for the NDLS and thank you to a number of other people who also sent in the number uh, 0761087880. Now John Paul says when you're ringing that number you have to have a little bit of patience. There's a big long spiel at the start of it and you have to listen to that. It's all the information that's on their website. Okay, so if you listen to all of the information that they give you first and then at the end of the message that John Paul says probably goes on for about two minutes they would then give you the option to press one for various service but there is an option for you to speak to an agent you'll have to hold on but you will eventually get to speak to somebody and I also got the email address for the NDLS which is a simple one it's info at ndls.ie so there's 
two ways that that listener can get through to the NDLS. Either just stick with it on the phone until you eventually get to speak to an agent or if you email them with your telephone number, they'll ring you back when they're at their time. So that might be an easier way for you to do it as well. Good luck with it and let us know how you get on. And then Anne was on to us to say she found a, a wedding ring outside Aldi in Mallow sometime last year. She can't remember when. And she said she brought it home, said must try and get onto the radio station and, you know, put the word out to try to find the owner. And she said then it just went completely out of her head and she put it away for safekeeping. Doing a bit of tidying the other day, didn't she find the wedding ring and she said she nearly died that she'd forgotten to look for the owner. So she's asked us if we could give a shout out. She thinks it looks like a woman's wedding ring. There isn't an engraving on it or or anything, but it's a standard gold wedding ring. So does that ring a bell? Did anybody lose a wedding ring? Sometime last year in Mallow, Somewhere around Aldi. If so, we have Anne's phone number because she would really like to get it back to whoever's wedding ring it belongs to. 1850-333-103. We were talking about wool and how important knitting and crocheting and that kind of arty work is to people and how it's managed to get people through the lockdown. And in particular, I spoke, I read out a letter that was in the Examiner last week, a letter to the editor from a pensioner in Toom, Irene, who lives all on her own and her sanity is her knitting. That's what keeps her going and how disappointed and upset she was when she discovered that Aldi, where she likes to buy her wool because it's good value and good quality and... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They, because they've closed off their middle aisles and they're not selling the items that they normally sell in their middle aisles, she's not able to get her wool. Michael and Mallow has contacted us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Michael. Hello, Patricia. Now, Michael, you don't knit yourself, but your good wife does. Well, she, yeah, she's a very prolific knitter. And um, we're, at a, we're at a loss now as to where our next consignment of wool is going to come from. And you, but, do you, she I buys do. the wool in Aldi as well, does she? Absolutely. I, yeah. I do all the shopping for her. Okay. My, my wife is an invalid. And um, the point I want to make is how many other people are in my wife's situation that they can't go out and do their shopping uh, and only that we're, we're a good uh, partnership that um, 
I do all the shopping for her. Yeah. And I find Aldi is a great source of the wool. But in addition to that, there, there must be thousands of people around the country who are now deprived of, of their favourite pastime and, and a great hobby and a great, uh, a great one for mental stability. And would she knit every day, Michael? Every day that she possibly can. And what does she knit? Pardon? What, what does she knit? Oh, um, she loves making babies' cardigans and she gives them out as presents. Does she? And, and she's also in the process of, of knitting uh, infant, infant uh, mortality cardigans. Oh, the ones, yeah, yeah uh, that fail a corn that go into the, yeah. the, those little boxes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a gorgeous thing to do. Isn't it marvellous, yeah? Oh, my yeah. God, such and, a gorgeous uh, thing to do. And, and we both find it um, very stimulating and, um, and um, we'd be in serious trouble, I'd say, if Pauline didn't have that, uh, that skill. Because it, it, I'd say it would be an extra burden on the state. Yeah. Because um, we, we probably both, uh, for the last 20 years, we'd, we'd, be, we'd both be in a, in a, a state of mental chaos. And she's paralysed, is she? Is uh, she's she paralysed from the waist down, yeah. Oh my God, for the last 20 years? Um, a, slowly, a slow progression. Oh, okay. And you're her primary carer? Yeah. So does she, could she get out? Does she get out, um, Pauline? It's, a, it's a, wheelchair, a wheelchair situation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Has lockdown been tough? Um, well, it would be very tough now, as I said, only for the knitting. Mm. Yeah. And is she out of wool at the moment? No, we're, no. we're, we're lucky that we know that we have a, a reasonably good supply. Okay, you're stocked up. And hopefully this, the thing with Aldi, we're two weeks into it from midnight tonight, so another month... Yeah. And the level five will hopefully yeah. be gone. I don't know if it's of any use to you, uh, but a number of people are saying deals in Mallow have wool, if that's of any use to you. But I don't know if it's the same quality of wool. Well, uh, I've used the, the wool from um, from the deals. And, okay. Uh, I, I, we don't really find any difficulty with it. Good, good. So you pick the colours then and everything, is it? Oh, yeah, I'm the colours <laughs> man and the button man. <laughs> <laughs> and you never shook up the knitting yourself. <laughs> I'd be at a loss. Physical training was my hobby. Okay, but you, you, you're the supplier. You're the one that needs to get all the supplies in. in oh, for. She, call, she calls me everything now. Does uh, she? Uh, to go for and bottle washer and everything. And how is she doing at the moment, Michael? Uh, well, she's always in good form. Is, you she? Know? is she? But uh, as I said, now only for the knitting. Yeah. We'd be in serious trouble. I know. And what, ke- and what keeps you going? Pardon? What keeps you going? Um, well, I, I'm kept going with the, with the shopping and, uh, as I said, with the, with the wool and the buttons. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, generally looking after Pauline. Yeah. yeah. That's a full-time job. It's yeah. a full-time yeah. job. Yeah. Listen, you're, you're a credit uh, to her. Uh, continue yeah. to stay safe, the both of you, OK? And tell yeah. Pauline, keep up that knitting. Well, uh, I wish the lady in Galway now the, all the best. And okay. uh, I hope she gets a good supply of wool. I'm sure she will. Listen, if we can help her in any way, we will. Yeah. Here is kind. God bless. Look after yourself. Bye now. Thanks, Bye. Michael. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And uh, Pauline. Uh, so many people relying on wool just for their sanity, isn't it? It's like a hobby. And that's, you know, it's funny because when I was talking about, and I know I was doing a kind of tongue-in-cheek, talking about Richard Bruton and the Fine Gael party putting up this message of how to 
they've started this campaign on social media, how we can all get through level five and, you know, doing something and, you know, Richard Bruton showing people how to bake scones and he says that he finds at the end of a busy day to go into the kitchen and to do some baking that it relaxes him at a very stress, stressful time. People have all different types of hobbies and something as simple, some people would say, as knitting or as difficult, can I say, as knitting and it can just keep somebody sane and even to hear Michael talk about while it's keeping his wife going and keeping her mind stimulated and great for her mental health but it's also good for the two of them because while she's happy and relaxed and stimulated that makes his life as a carer easier as well so there's a lot, a lot of benefit uh, from it 1850 and I want to go to this piece from Fiona Corcoran our news reporter because this is a group of artists who are bringing colour and vibrancy to Cork City Centre by painting bright murals and they've gone up in seven key locations. The Street Art Project is being created by Ardu and it's supported by the Cork City Council and Creative Ireland and our senior news reporter Fiona Corkham we sent her out yesterday to meet up with one of the artists, a guy by the name of Shane O'Driscoll from Bandon and he explained to Fiona what Ardu is all about. So Ardu is like a, a street art um, mural initiative that myself, uh, Paul Gleeson and Peter Martin uh, I suppose formulated a few months back and it's kind of come I suppose, into fruition now recently so effectively what it is it's, it's a series of seven murals throughout Cork City uh, that's been happening here in the month of October and uh, I think that's kind of initially, it, that's it in a nutshell and the intention was to bring I suppose um, just great murals, contemporary artists to Cork City and brighten up the city and that was kind of the intention and plan and I think we've definitely reached that. And it's in collaboration with Cork City Yeah, Cork City Council and Creative Ireland are kind of co-funding the project. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of effectively what's been uh, fueling this as well. And what kind of a reaction have you been getting? Um, largely positive, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's been amazing from the start uh, and continuing to do so like that over the weeks as all the artists are, you know, progressing and working on their pieces. I think even people love seeing a buzz of the creation as well, more so than just as, as equally as, as the finished pieces because, I mean, I think there's always that kind of intrigue that people have as to how these things are created and um, it's definitely kind of been um, taken on um, positively with a city. I found even painting myself on a daily basis, people kind of coming up and chatting to me and other artists as well, just giving them the thumbs up. Are they difficult to do murals of this size? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like anything, you just, you know, you start off on a small level and you kind of progress uh, and constantly you're kind of challenging yourself further and pushing yourself more as to how you can kind of uh, alternate and change your work and it's just kind of a natural progression for someone that way and it's just always that thing of pushing yourself further I suppose and you just like anything the more you do it the more familiar you become with it and working in environments and even the time of year here like I mean we knew we were kind of pushing it going this later into the year just with I mean we've had storms and floods and everything but I think it's been great like everyone's been so professional with it as well that the dedication is definitely kind of uh, shown in this this project. Yeah, so uh, this is Mayor here it's behind me, so he's finished up his piece here today. Uh, so this is one of four abstract pieces I think we have here in town. So Al started last Friday and uh, like that now just kind of came in and, and kind of hit the ground running like that again. So it's one of his key kind of signature uh, abstract works like that. So again, it's just a bright, 
punch of colour to Washington Street, which is amazing. Uh, I mean, prior to this, I think the building was was black, you know, uh, and even I think part of the project as well is considering which walls will be used and, and will be the most effective throughout the city as well and being conscious of having walls uh, throughout the city, not just in one area like that. Uh, so we knew, like, as peace would be lovely there, and I mean, you have the traffic passing all day long and uh, some kind of slowing down a bit too slow as well like that, which is great as well to see that reaction, you know. So, uh, yeah, so he'll be wrapping up today. Isn't that great? Just what we need, a splash of colour, uh, particularly during lockdown. Well done to Ardu and videos of Ardu and the work that they're doing in this street art are on our socials, uh, C103 Facebook and our Twitter account. And on the talking of Twitter and what I mentioned, Richard Bruton baking the scones, it's gone up on the Fine Gael Twitter page. Jim says, I think Richard Bruton will be baking a lot of scones if he needs to bake it after a stressful day because I think he needed this evening to unwind when Mary Lou and the Healy Rays get their teeth into Leo in the doll later on today. That's from Jim. And Dan says, Hi Patricia, I think Leo Varadko will be next up on the Fine Gael site. He'll be doing something tomorrow showing how to dig a hole. Oh, we've loads of comedians out there today, do we not? And thank you to people reacting to the NDLS and the listener who was having problems trying to book an appointment for her husband to renew his licence. Somebody says, Patricia, I was on the phone to NDLS about an appointment two weeks ago. Yeah, a bit of patience. You seem to have to stick with it. If it's a renewal, she is getting, she can do it online. Yeah, but I think she's just having problems trying to get through online for some reason. And somebody else says, hi, you need to accept that you've read the expiry and read all the terms and conditions. I logged in with my PRSI number and it will bring up the county and then the calendar. I have an appointment in Mallow next uh, week. I think she's doing everything correct because she's getting to the calendar aware that they've licence expired but then it's the next bit of her trying to get on to book an appointment that she's having an issue with I think she probably needs to call them and, and hopefully she will or else get through to them by email I was talking about Ardu and running that piece with our news reporter Fiona Corcoran on the street art project where they've painted these bright murals at seven key locations across Cork City uh, one of our listeners in the city on the magazine road in Cork City said here's an art piece that was painted on a large ESB box near where I live on the magazine Road and it's the standard, you know, the, the steel, metal, grey ESB boxes that they're dotted all over the place. Quite, you know, they're just they're just standing there doing nothing. Somebody has taken the time. I don't know if it was Ardu or who it was to paint this absolutely fantastic landscape scene. It looks to me like it's Galway because it's the gorgeous stone wall and a mountain scene and heathers in the background. Absolutely stunning. A gifted artist and there's no name that I can see on the picture. There's no name as to who actually painted that but it's beautiful and I'm assuming brightens up everybody's day as they're walking past it. Thank you to listeners sending that into 0862 103 103. Now following some very tragic family incidents both locally and in other parts of the country uh, Joe Heffernan, our resident councillor is going to talk to us today on how to deal with life following a critical incident. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, um, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. And we want to start with the common I- immediate stress reactions when something happens that is completely out of the ordinary, the effect that it can have on people. Yeah, and I suppose the first uh, thing we could talk about, um, uh, uh, 
I'm I'm actually quoting somewhat from my work with the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation and uh, tension. Um, I remember one time many years ago I was um, quite um, uh, tense and upset um, about a certain situation and I found myself literally walking around the kitchen table. Um, And one of the um, aspects or one of the common stress reactions after a critical incident would be an inability to sit still for any length of time. Um, This is a result of physical and emotional tension. There can be muscle tremors. There can be uh, tremors in the in the hands. Um, uh, But I, I, I do remember that an inability to just sit still. There can be fatigue, um, you know, no energy, a lot of procrastination, um, uh, unable or unwilling or not motivated to do certain little things or big things that we um, should do. Um, I had a couple of forms to fill in. And um, I did it this morning, and um, I feel very good about the fact that it's done, but I'm afraid I had put it off um, over the weekend um, because I think we're all, uh, to use the colloquial term, we're all a bit shook by um, the news of what has happened and uh, combine that with uh, the COVID uh, situation and I suppose you could call it the perfect storm. And um, that has hit us and hit us hard. Um, and maybe we need to acknowledge that, that we are affected uh, by um, incidents. Um, there's, uh, there's fatigue going with it, just a lack of energy. Um, Either, uh, either not sleeping well or indeed a desire to sleep through this entire um, sort of nightmare. And nightmares would be part of what has happened. Uh, you know, insomnia or indeed bad dreams, nightmares, waking very early in the day like half four, five o'clock and, and then not, able to and get not, back yeah, to sleep. And then that then when the whole day then you're tired because you haven't had a good night's sleep. So it's, yeah. it's, it's almost like a vicious circle. And I'm assuming somebody's appetite would almost disappear. Absolutely. Um, uh, 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 a change in, in, in the appetite. Now that could result, I mean, I know it sounds contradictory, but it isn't really. It could result in increased or decreased intake. Uh, I find myself during this COVID um, uh, time that um, very little does me. I, I'm, you know, um, uh, my my first indication when I'm asked what would I like to eat, etc., uh, my first word is small. Mm. Um, just not in the mood for, for meals. And then for others, they stress eat and they'll eat double the amount that Absolutely. they normally eat. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and amazingly enough, um, we, we, even with that attitude in myself, um, I most certainly have put on weight uh, during this COVID uh, thing. And um, uh, yeah, I, I think at times I would reflect on that um, and I wouldn't be too pleased. But at least that spurs me on to 
get out and go for a walk and try and walk off some couple of ounces. Now, one of the big things to do with a trauma would be recurring memories, thinking about the the incident, or indeed the incident being triggered by maybe another uh, terrible story uh, on the television. Um, uh, it might be in the world abroad. It might be Dublin as recently, um, which kind of brings us back to uh, happenings uh in our own area. Uh, and that one of the things that I would really, really, really love to get across is that all of these are normal. They're normal. Um, most of them will disappear within three weeks or a month. Uh, well, no, okay, not disappear, but the extreme um, uh, uh Phenomena of the uh, of of the um, the symptoms almost because that they really are that's symptoms. The word I was they will they about. they will ease or disappear. It's it's to give it time, to give it time, but to do the right things while we are giving it time. Um, time alone might not be um, you know time alone in a passive way may very well not um, uh, work as well as we'll come to. Um, it, just in the minute about um, uh, some things that we can do. Now, just to go through the other stress reactions, um, there can be negative feelings, um, just sadness, hopelessness, feelings of fear, feelings of anxiety, feelings of anger, um, being discouraged, um, uh and I think we've all realised with the COVID and with other matters just how fragile and uh, vulnerable we are. Um, maybe we were marching along through life and our main concern was planning a holiday and things like that. And everything has changed and changed dramatically. Can we cope? Yes, we can. But... Um, uh, we need to be aware of what's going on within us and around us. And we need to realize that this is normal. Now, that's very important. Um, uh, I remember a man saying to me, I, I think I would have said it to you recently, um, uh, uh, you know, the shoulders came down. He made a big, deep sigh of relief and he said, OK, so I'm not going crazy. Yeah, it's to, yeah. It's to realise that you're, you're, what, you're, the reactions that you have are normal and anyone would have similar reactions. But there Absolutely. are things that you can do. I mean, for example, on the eating one. Yeah. To make sure that you're eating well, even yes. if you don't yes. feel like a, a small portion, but nutritious food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and um, to try to make, um, you know, make the effort to eat some of the um, uh, the food that is good for us, you know, vegetables, b- uh, fruit. A balanced um, diet, mm? a, a, a good balanced diet. A good balanced and, diet and the food would pyramid. be very important. And then even though you're, we're talking about tiredness and sleep pattern, Getting out and trying to get exercise will help with that, won't it? Absolutely. Because even if you didn't feel like eating something and uh, you just couldn't care less whether you would eat or not at a mealtime, a nice brisk little walk, it needn't be a marathon, a nice brisk little walk before the meal 
um, you could come back feeling, yeah, okay, I, I can, I can, I can eat. Um, the other side of that is, and um, tis a thing I'd have to watch myself, would be to avoid um, and to moderate the intake of caffeine. For example, coffee. I love my cup of coffee. And, um, you know, uh, as we all know, uh, coffee, um, the ordinary straightforward coffee uh, has caffeine. And if we are feeling a bit uh, jiggy, I'll put it that way, um, if we have that tremor in the hand, etc. It's going to make it worse. It's going to make it worse. And the other one, obviously, is avoid the alcohol as well. And and the sleeping tablets thinking, oh, this is going to help me sleep. It won't. No, no. And the thing about it is that, I mean, there's there's the immediate lift and the uh, long-term harm that, um, right, the... The, the the brandy blast can um, help uh, just for now, but if we become uh, dependent in the sense that if we say, oh, that's my cure, that's what helps me, and if we keep that up, well, then we're going to be in serious trouble. Okay. And it's bad enough to have... Uh, now, uh, I'd like to distinguish very much between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress are the ones that we talked about down below, about um, uh, earlier, I mean, on stress uh, reactions. But if that gets embedded, and if that is there after a long period of time, well, then you could be talking it turning into post-traumatic stress disorder. So if those stress reactions are... um, uh, you know, still there and uh, not listening. It may be a time to talk to someone, and especially professional, someone who professional uh, advice. Trauma. Yeah, professional advice, and trying to keep routine and you know keeping life as normal as you can. Yeah, um, you know, try to go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, um, uh, have a, have a time. Uh, for doing this and doing that. For example, now, I decided that I would fill in those forms. I hate paperwork, that I would do that this morning. And um, I'm quite pleased now that I did. Um, I'm going to schedule in a walk. I have it scheduled in for this afternoon, even though it isn't the greatest of days. Um, But just to have um, a, a little... Uh, a plan, a plan. So it, it's no big deal. It's no big plan, but it's a bit of a plan. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, very much vital would be to have a friend uh, to talk to about how you are and how this has gone. Share, mm-hmm. share, share it with somebody. To share with somebody. Um, uh, it might sound very uh, facile, but in fact, it does help quite a lot. The the, the old um, adage or saying or whatever about a burden shared is a burden half. Absolutely. Maybe Ab- not quite halved, but it does help. There is okay. no question about that. Okay, good words of advice as always, um, Joe. Uh, thank you for that. Enjoy your walk and stay dry. Bring the brolly with you just in case because there are showers. But thanks a million for joining us and stay safe as always. Thanks for that. Thanks. Uh, it's uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Boherboy. His number is 0297 John O'Sullivan was on to us in Court McSherry to say that the community shop, wonderful community shop in Court McSherry, they accept second-hand books and then they rent them out and that's 
service is still operation. Thank you for that, uh, John. But that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. We're back tomorrow at 10. Until then, I'm Trish Mester. Stay safe. C103 has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do your eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered. It's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognise you. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital. To help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you from C103. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.